Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. And today I'm very happy to be joined by my good friend, Ethan Skolnick, covers the heat for the Miami Herald and also has his own uh, sports radio show and drive time on the ticket in South Florida. So, Ethan, you're on your way to uh, Warriors shoot-around ahead of Heat Warriors tonight, uh, which should be entertaining on several levels. Um, I want to start, though, with uh, Hassan Whiteside versus Draymond Green. Uh, those two guys had a bit of a Twitter thing over the summer, and it, judging by your tweets, I think they were yesterday, it seems like Hassan hasn't forgotten about it. Yeah, well, he was he was uh, provoked, I think, a little bit. I mean, you know, we've been asking about this all year before the season, and then he didn't play in the game in Golden State earlier this season, so they kind of missed an opportunity to face each other. I mean, the reality of this is, yeah, Hassan, you know, can, can stir things up a little bit time to time, but in this particular case, he really wasn't trying to do that from the beginning. Uh, basically, you know, he was talking about how on Twitter, because he tends to boast from time to time on there, I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> uh, he, 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 was, he was talking on Twitter about how basically, uh, you know, you can't guard him with a 6'6 guy, and somehow this got back to Draymond where Hassan thought that, that I'm sorry, Draymond thought his, Hassan was talking about him when in reality Hassan was just talking. Um, and so then he started to go back and forth a little bit and, you know, both guys can get into it. I mean, the reality is that he really don't want Hassan doing this kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> they just want him focusing more on the basketball. Right. I think that he'll get a bit of a pass because, He's had a really good week, um, and he's doing a lot of the things on the court that they want him to do. But yeah, they, they would prefer not to not to sort of not that you need to wake up a sleeping giant with Golden State, but you don't need to give him any more ammunition the way they're playing. No, you definitely don't. Now, uh, there's obviously a lot of things going on at the Heat, but but really the overriding story of this whole season for them it kind of centers around Whiteside. I mean, he's kind of this mm. nebulous figure for them. He's got this minimum contract. Uh, so he's gonna he's gonna hit free agency in in July, and in a summer where no one knows what's going to happen really league wide, uh, the the free agency of Hassan Whiteside might be the most uh, confusing thing for anyone in the league to try to figure out. Here's a guy that you know less than a year and a half ago was you know toiling in leagues around the world, comes back here, plays in the D League for a while gets called up by the Heat, and all of a sudden becomes basically DeAndre Jordan. And now <laughs> and now is a, about to hit free agency, and, you know, no one really has a good idea of what his market's going to be, including us. I mean, we we just had dinner the other day in Toronto at the All-Star Game where we spent most of it talking about him. So um, from the Heat's perspective, with without getting too technical with their salary cap situation, it's going to be difficult for them to do a lot of other things with their roster if they re-sign him besides just keep this team together. So um, w- what do you think the chances are that he's back and and just how bizarre has this whole situation kind of turned into for the Heat um, over the last year or so? Well, it's been bizarre because, uh, you know, again, they've had multiple shots at him and then basically Memphis released him, they picked him up, went to the D league. They, they didn't really anticipate any of this. And, uh, so this has come out of the blue. There wasn't really a lot else they could do with the contract. They, they sort of where they were positioned at the time 
they pretty much had two options. It was offer them him a one-year deal or offer him a two-year deal. At the minimum, they were going to be dealing with this either way, um, and so they're dealing with it now. So I, I don't blame them for the way that they've approached this, um, but you know, when you have a guy who's that skilled, uh, that talented, can be that dominant. Uh, I mean, the other night, you know, I look up and he's he's got he's got fifteen and fifteen, and I'm kind of like, when did that happen exactly? <laughs> like he, he he's putting up cartoon numbers, but but there are issues of sort of attitude and aptitude that have followed him everywhere, and they've dealt with some of those, and so. What what are the chances he's back? I mean, I know it's kind of a cop out. I put it at about fifty percent for for this reason. I think they're going to basically tell him to go find his market um, and come back to them. And if if that happens, it's possible Hassan could get sort of a little offended about that approach because we know he can be sensitive about some of these things. And you know, he felt he should have made the All Star team, and he, he you know he made that pretty clear on social media and other places. So. If that happens, you know, it's very possible somebody just offers him money and he goes without the Heat even really having an opportunity to make a case to him. The other thing is, if you look at it right now, Miami would have, uh, once these contracts come off the books, they'd have about $37 million to spend basically between Wade, Whiteside, and free agents. Um, unless they move Josh McRoberts to $6 million, it would be about $37 million. Well, okay, depending on what the agreement is with Dwayne, and assume that it's going to be, you know, an eight-figure salary. I don't think it's going to be 20, but assuming it's going to be, you know, more than 10, probably something close to 15, um, you're down to 22 for, you know, Whiteside and free agents. Um, that's not going to be enough to sort of make the big move that Pat, typically tries to make. And that's the complicating factor here, because if you're going to swing for the fences with, say, you know, and I think this is a long shot, but Pat never thinks anything's a long shot. If you're going to swing for the fences with Durant, while you're doing that, somebody offers Whiteside a contract, and that's the end of it. Uh, and so I, I do think it's complicated. I will say this, okay, because I've been, you know, nitpicking at Whiteside like a lot of people have been doing all season. I'm impressed with the last week. Um, if he can keep this up, I mean, the reality is he's coming off the bench. He's accepted it, at least publicly, and he's playing a dynamic role for them. Um, there's nobody like him coming off the bench in the entire NBA right now. Now, I know he doesn't want to be a bench, uh, uh, you know, a reserve long-term, or I'm sure he doesn't. But what's happened lately is he's accepted it, and he's getting the touches coming off the bench that he wasn't getting in kind of the Heat's overcrowded starting lineup, uh, the way it was put together. So these are complicated decisions. The other thing I will say here, Tim, is that the the team, you know, typically they protect their guys. They haven't done that with Whiteside. <laughs> you know, when, when Bosch and Wade were critical of him prior to the All-Star break, all of that was on the quote sheets that was distributed to the media. Um, so there's a sense that, they're trying to sort of teach him a lesson, but also they're trying to pull his value down as much as they possibly can. I don't know if that's going to work. Yeah, it's hard to see that it's going to, but why did they make the move for him to come off the bench? Uh, well, first it was to manage his minutes. Uh, this happened prior to the All-Star break. He came off the bench in Dallas because he was coming off a knee situation uh, he was dealing with on the road. So that's where it started. And Amari was playing pretty well in limited minutes for them, and it kind of cleared paint for them. So that's how this, that's how this began. 
Um, then, you know, he got suspended in the game, you know, for the first game after the All-Star break because of the shot that he landed to Boban uh, right before the break. And so he wasn't in the starting lineup for the first game, and the Heat played really well in Atlanta. So basically, Spolstra is kind of a creature of habit when it comes to lineups. He left it alone, and then Whiteside has come off the bench and had two really impactful, pretty ridiculous games. Um, what he's done, actually, you've got to go back 30 years to LaSalle Thompson to find somebody who's put up the kind of numbers Hassan's put up off the bench uh, in two consecutive games. So they're going to leave it alone for now. I mean, there's uh, so much going on with this team right now. You know, you have no Bosch. Uh, we don't know for how long. It, the organization has been cryptic about it. My belief is because the family has told them to be cryptic about it. Um, you've got now a roster that basically has 10 available players because Ben Oudry is now out for the season. Tyler Johnson may be out for the season. Uh, we don't know about Bosch, and they've got two open roster spots. So they're down to 10. Two of those 10 are Wade and McRoberts, whose health uh, for both of those, and Amore, uh, whose health for all three of those guys is always in question. So I think what Eric is just trying to do with Whiteside now is they need something off the bench. And so this allows them with Whiteside to play through him in a way they don't in the starting lineup, and they put Nick Roberts out there with him. And for all the frustrations about Josh's health and the fact that Josh doesn't like to shoot very much or as much as they'd like him to shoot, uh, he is very good at setting guys up. And he has set Whiteside up in good position, and they've sort of cleared out and let him go to work, and he's been better in the post than he was earlier in the season. So that's where it is. How long it lasts, we'll see. Um, if they get off to the kinds of starts that they got off to the other night, they had to overcome. They were down 16-2. to to Indiana with Amari in the game, uh, then they may have to look at it. But for right now, uh, it looks like Whiteside's going to be coming off the bench. Yeah, no, and, 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 it is, and it is an interesting scenario for them, um, especially given what's going on with Bosch, and which we have to we have to touch on. For those that, that don't know, uh, he's he's developed another blood clot situation, this time in his calf. Um, last year, he obviously missed the final couple months of the regular season. Um, when they were found in his lungs, um, so not obviously a, a scary situation. Um, you, you mentioned how the Heat have been very cryptic about it, and they just kind of keep saying he's out today and not really elaborating. Um, is there is there any sense at all from either the guys on the team or people around the team of whether you know they think he might be back or? Um, if he's out for the year, or is it just is it kind of total radio silence at this point? Well, I'll say this: um, players other than Dwayne, who I'm assuming knows everything about this because of their relationship, players other than Dwayne have been asking me uh, and other reporters. So I, I don't think they're getting a whole lot more information than we're getting. Chris has been around the team some. He's even been in the film room some. He posted a photo yesterday because he did a photo op uh, for, I, I don't know if he was drinking because he can't do this while he's on blood thinners, but uh, basically he's, he's doing a beer promotional shot because uh, Chris has gotten into uh, kind of brewing his own beer at this point. So, uh, But he hasn't spoken to us. Um, here's kind of what I pieced together. And again, some of this, uh, I'm going to you know, just say, I don't know 100% for sure, but I think what happened here was he was in Toronto. He was having problems. He saw a doctor in Toronto on Thursday. That's prior to when he met, met with the media. 
they put him on blood thinners immediately because last year what happened was it started in his calf. He didn't think it was a blood clot problem. He came back and played after having a calf injury, and then it spread to his lungs, and then obviously we know what happened then. He was out for the season. They thought his career was in jeopardy. So when they saw anything at all that was problematic this time, they put him on the thinners. And the idea was to come back to Miami and get evaluated by the doctors who'd seen him, uh, you know, with his condition last year, and then kind of go from there. Um, and so what I heard is that the clot it, it dissipated to a certain degree, that it got better. Uh, I don't know how much better. That's kind of the question, because if he has any evidence of a clot at all or there's a chance of it coming back, he has to stay on the thinners. And if he stays on the thinners, he really can't play because it's just too dangerous. So that's kind of where it is right now, is that he has flown around the country, and I will say this, he flew up to Boston. If the condition was really bad, he wouldn't be flying um, also, because that's another, you know, risk. Right, right. So there's been, there's been some signs of optimism when it comes to that, but there's been nothing definitive. Uh, and my understanding was the team has wanted to be more forthcoming, but the family and the people around Chris have prevented it. That's, that's my understanding. So that leads me to believe he's gotten some kind of diagnosis that he's sort of trying to figure out if there's a way to get a better diagnosis. And that's why you fly around the country to try to get sort of different opinions. So that, that is, that's my assumption right now, but we don't have anything 100%. Now, at the same time, the Heat, I imagine, must be completely freaked out because, I mean, beyond the fact that Chris Bosh is one of, I think, anybody who covers the NBA's favorite people in the league because he's such a, mm-hmm. a smart, no he's smart no guy, he's a really good, decent guy, fascinating guy to talk to. Um, he's also a, a hell of a player who, you know, really has been the biggest beneficiary of LeBron leaving because um, not only did he get paid – but he also has kind of regained uh, some of the status he may have lost in the eyes of the, you know, the regular fan that just thought he had, was kind of a hanger on to LeBron and Wade as part of that big three, as he's really become, you know, Miami's best player and, and is one of the most versatile big men in the league. But now that now that you have you know back to back years with a blood clotting issue for a big guy, um, you know. Given, like you said, they want to go try to get Kevin Durant this summer. You know, Pat's trying to to get another championship before he decides to to ride off into the sunset. You know, I imagine it's got to be a pretty terrifying time for them to want, for them to be sitting there, kind of wondering what they're going to get from their best player moving forward, right? Oh, no doubt. And, and you know, look, um, you know, they've been through this kind of thing before. Uh, you know, Alonzo Mourning, they were through it, where, you know, they didn't know if he was going to come back, then he came back, then they didn't know if he could stay back. Uh, and, and they're kind of going through it again. And, look, there's real basketball issues to discuss here beyond just Chris's health, and everybody hopes for the best for Chris, because as you said, Chris is one of the best people in the league. Uh, but, you know, they, you know, he's very highly compensated. <laughs> he takes up a large portion of the salary cap. Now, they could get some relief about a year down the road. That wouldn't be in time for this summer. Uh, but you right, know, just just to stop you, to just again. to stop you real quick, so people know, if if let's say the worst case scenario happens and Chris Bosh can't play anymore, um, his yes. salary would be stuck on the books, like you said, until July first of twenty seventeen. So it's not right. like the Heat could Correct. go this summer and say, "Oh, we got an extra twenty five million dollars." I just want to make sure people knew that. Right. So go ahead. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it, it doesn't it doesn't clear out. So basically, you know, they would be in a position. And I thought it was interesting yesterday because the Heat did one of these things uh, where Riley does a video fans, which they tend to do when they're trying to get season ticket renewals. And basically, it turned into an explanation of why it was important to get under the luxury tax, uh, which is a whole separate <laughs> issue. But 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 but. Riley said, you know, this was always about, you know, getting the team ready, you know, for, for, you know, opportunities to improve in 2016 and 2017, which is a little bit different than he has said before. Now, obviously, I think some of that has to do with the fact that the free agent class of 2016 is not going to be what everybody anticipated. And in 17, so it's really guys, good. 17 is really good, and 16, very few guys, as you know, Tim took, you know, the one-year deals last summer sure. that would have made them free agents this summer. And that blindsided the Heat and a lot of other teams who thought that guys like maybe an Aldridge or a Love or a Gasol or some others would take sort of the one-year deal and that would that would, that would would help the market. It just didn't happen. So basically LeBron and Dwayne took one-year deals, essentially, and that was about it. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, look, they're looking two years kind of, down the line, and you know, by then, if Chris does decide to retire, and I don't have any indication of that at the moment, but if he did decide to retire, then his number would come off the books. But for this summer, um, they would have some uncertainty. And one of the things when you're trying to attract other free agents is, okay, what are your pieces? Who are you building around? And I think Chris is still seen as a pretty useful piece to a lot of players around the league because his game is going to, as long as he can stay healthy, his game is going to age well. Because he's not banging in the post anymore. He's, he's a fluid player. He doesn't rely on a ton of athleticism. Uh, so he was a nice piece to have. As, as, say, Dragic, the way he's playing lately, might be a nice piece to have. But if you don't have Bosch, it's a little more complicated to sell you know, a premium free agent. Uh, okay, we have a real chance to compete. And, and from my, my understanding is Durant is looking for pieces. He wants to know, you know who he's going to play with going forward and you know so it makes it a lot more complicated for the heat and there were already enough complicating factors so it's not look it's not great uh obviously for a lot of different reasons now he could come back and play this year and that could alleviate some of the concerns and we'll have to see but you know i think it's going to be at least you know no matter what i think it's going to be another few weeks um and the question will become okay is there some kind of a blood thinner regimen uh, that he gets on that he can get off a little bit sooner and maybe get cleared, say, in a four- to five- to six-week time span rather than a three- to six-month time span. Right, which would then allow him to get back for the playoffs, um, which is obviously what right. they would, which is obviously what they like. Now, the Heat, the, you know, they probably should have lost to the Pacers by all accounts on or by all rights on Monday, uh, you know, managed to Monte Ellis miss a free throw at the at the buzzer, basically, and then they go to overtime and win. Um, but they've they've won three in a row since the break. Um, they're playing a lot faster, it seems like, uh, getting Goran Dragic and Luol Dan kind of out in the open floor a little bit, um, you know, which which isn't exactly how Dwayne Wade would like to play necessarily. Um, but those guys have both looked good. Um, so, you know, with Bosch out, with White set off the bench, uh, with Wade kind of in and out, you know, what what is the state overall of – of the Heat roster at the moment in terms of how they're playing because it does seem like they've kind of at least temporarily transitioned to to doing some of the stuff that maybe Goron would rather do as opposed to what they're doing most of the year, which was kind of playing a half-court methodical style that, that Dwayne would probably prefer. 
Yeah, it's happy Goron time uh, in Miami. Uh, he looks like himself. He looks like the guy they traded for. And he was able to do it, even with Dwayne coming back in the last game, and even with Dwayne having one of the worst shooting games Dwayne's ever had. Uh, you know, that, that 421 is, yeah, 421 that is the worst not game great. he's ever had. Him and Monte going no, a combined they, 5 for 36. Just a ton of, just a ton of great no, looks. No, no, I, I know. But this, I will say the thing, I thought Monte had a lot of good looks. I thought the issue with Dwayne, before we get back to Goron, is, um, you know, when he misses shots but he's getting to his spot, that's one thing. I didn't think he got to his spots uh, a couple nights ago, and and I I don't think either either it was rust um, because he had not played really other than the All Star game in 13 days, or the knee was bugging him because I I did not see he was not you know he's not the explosive player he used to be obviously, but he is able typically to get to his spots, and I just saw a lot of situations where he. He just didn't have any elevation, he didn't have any explosion at all. Um, so we'll see what happens against Golden State tonight. I, I, I will say, as far as the Dragic thing goes, uh, the Ujiri injury really complicates this uh, because they don't have any guards left. And so one of the things that I felt that needed to happen here and that they were able to see, and Spolster was able to see, which is why I thought this was important uh, in the two games that Dwayne misses, is that he needs to get Goron some time alone, okay? Just get him some time alone. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, sort of like the wife is taking care of the kids all the time. Just let her go to the hotel for a little while and relax. Uh, I, I don't know where I'm getting that analogy, but, yeah, you can probably guess. So, basically, uh, so, look, um, he was dynamic in those situations, but the problem is you've got to have another guard who can play with him. And right now, they have no Tyler Johnson. You know, they traded Chalmers for Udry. Uh, Udry's now out for the season uh, with a foot injury he suffered the other night. That Tyler Johnson is probably out for the season. I saw him tweet something yesterday. He's going to try to make it back, but that was a two-month injury uh, at the very least. And he's also in a contract year, which complicates things for him. And so basically, their only options are Josh Richardson, who's a second-round pick that they like but is very raw, uh, or Gerald Green, who's a guy who, if they had more players right now, he would not play. Um, he just has not shot the ball well enough to justify being out there on a consistent basis. Um, defensively, he's tried, but his, his defensive instincts are not great. Uh, his health defensive instincts. And so, you know, they just, they're down to 10 bodies. Um, and some of those bodies right now are, again, Wade, Stoudemire, Nick Roberts, who are three guys who you don't know from night to night how healthy they're going to be. Sure. Um, and then a rookie a rookie in Jess Richardson, and then Udonis Haslam, who had not been playing very much for most of the season. Those are five of their ten. Um, so the problem they've got is I love the style of play they're playing. I think Dwayne can play it, okay? I think people are making too much of this. Like, the idea that Dwayne won't adjust, I understand there's a certain pride level for him, and he wants to... You know, he wants to be the guy down the stretch. But Dwayne has adjusted as many times as any superstar in the league. He adjusted to playing point guard as a rookie, a position he didn't play in college. He adjusted to playing off the ball with LeBron, giving up shots, okay? Uh, I think he can play in an up-tempo game. He may not be the finisher he was, but he's a very good passer. He can hit the ball ahead. He's great with lobs. Um, there's a lot of things he can do, and then they can still turned the game over to him to a certain degree in the last four or five minutes where he's been one of the best clutch players in the league this year uh, by, by shots made and percentage. So 
I think he can do it. My only question, Tim, is they're not going to sign anybody until March 6th because uh, they don't want to go over the luxury tax. Signing somebody before that would do that. Can they possibly limp along with 10 guys when, as I mentioned, two of them are guys who weren't playing at all early in the year and three of them are guys who are typically hurt? I, I don't know how they're going to be able to pull that off and play a fast tempo. I think it's very complicated. Maybe they could have used Brian Roberts. <laughs> well, they could have, but see, that's the thing. Because, look, they were looking to move Mick Roberts, okay, at the deadline. Sure. And he's come back and played very well. Um, but when they when they couldn't, the, the, the there were two salaries that could have gotten them under the tax. And one was Josh, was I'm sorry, Brian Roberts, who they had just picked up. And the other uh, was Udonis Haslam, who, for sentimental reasons, they're just not going to trade. Um, they, they just the whole family thing with him and everything—it's it's too complicated for them to move Udonis, even though he's in the last year of his deal. So that was it. It was Brian Roberts do a press conference, get up a few shots with the Heat, and you're going to Portland. Right. And that's where they are. And and right now, obviously, there's not a lot of room to move. And there are guys in the buyout market who could have helped them, who can help them. But they can't sign anybody until March sixth, or it will put them. It will make them a repeater tax team, and they just don't want to do that. Mickey Harrison does not pay taxes when he can get away with it, so that's just the way it's going to be. I know you're getting close to uh, shoot around, so let me get you out of here with this. Um, the Heat, you know, we've talked. You know, the Heat have a bunch of issues, obviously, at the moment. We just ran through all of them. However, they are in fourth place in the East. Uh, you know, they, they've given themselves a bit of a cushion over the teams down at the bottom of the pack and, and even just outside the playoffs, uh, which could be a factor given all their injuries. Um, you know, I, I know I know it's kind of a nebulous question because we don't really know what the situation with Chris Bosh is, but um, projecting forward over these last, you know, six or seven weeks of the regular season, what do you see as the as the, the status of this team going forward and, and where do you think they wind up? Um, when we get to the playoffs, in terms of what, like, well, where let, they're let, at. All right. Well, let's do this two different ways, Tim. Let's say if, if Bosch was to be back in, say, three weeks, um, I think they can still challenge for a home seed uh, in the playoffs because I, I think the way the white side's playing, Dragic kind of finding himself, uh, they have a little bit of a challenging stretch now, but then the schedule gets really soft for them uh, towards the end of the season. So I, I could see them putting themselves in position and also – Look, a lot of the other teams in the East have problems. Um, beyond Cleveland and, and Toronto, Boston is good. Didn't really add anybody, though. We'll see how long they can keep this up. But beyond that, you know, the Indiana team we saw the other night, I mean, they can hang with that team. Atlanta's a mess right now. Chicago's a mess right now. Won't have Butler back for another a couple of weeks at least. So I think when you, you add all that together, you say, okay, who's going to jump them? Charlotte without Kid Gilchrist? Uh, probably not, right? You know, teams like, you know, Orlando and the Knicks have gone in the tank. Detroit, I really thought that trade that was negated would have helped them. Um, they, they don't have those players now. I still think that they have a chance to pass the Heat, but, uh, and they've beaten the Heat a couple times this year. But look, Miami's in pretty good shape with some of the tiebreakers now. They evened up with Washington. They evened up with Indiana. They're ahead of Chicago. They have the tiebreaker on Atlanta. They got a chance in Boston, uh, coming up this weekend. So if Bosch is back, I think they can get a home seed. If he doesn't come back, uh, I still think they're going to be a playoff team now because, again, uh, I was looking at these games right after the break, and I said, okay, you, you, you've got these four. You've got to go, you gotta try to go three and one, assuming you're going to lose the, the Golden State game. Uh, and they've done that. And in the process, 
again, Goran Dragic feels like himself again. And we've seen with Goran, like, he's capable of carrying, you know, people don't look at it this way, but he's done it with Houston, and he did it with Phoenix a couple years ago. He's capable of carrying a team for a couple of weeks. I mean, not for a whole season, but if he's feeling good uh, and he gets on one of his runs and they're playing his style, it's possible. So I think I think they're probably the four seed if they can get Bosch back at some point. I think they probably drift in around six or seven, maybe eight, which is what they don't want to deal with Cleveland in the first round but maybe eight uh, if they don't get Bosch back. I was going to say, it's almost better if they end up six or seven than four, though, isn't it? I mean, I'd, I'd rather yes. be in that opposite yes. side of Cleveland's bracket and have to play two road series than, than have Cleveland in round two. If it's me. Yes, I would agree with that. I, I, I think they look at Toronto. They have a lot of respect for Toronto, but uh, the re- and they've lost to Toronto a couple times this year, uh, but they were really beat up for one of the two games, one of the, one of those two losses. But I, I'll say this. Uh, they don't fear Toronto. I don't think they fear Cleveland either uh, because there's a familiarity there, but obviously they know what Cleveland is and the Heat staff sure. uh, you know, is sort of overwhelmed by the amount of talent the Cavaliers have. But, uh, but Toronto, look, um, I like Toronto. You like Toronto. A lot of people like Toronto, but Toronto hasn't done anything in the playoffs with this group. And they, you know, they, they, they couldn't, you, you were covering that Nets team that, you know, Toronto blew the game seven there yep. to that Nets team a couple of years ago. And then last year they get swept out of the first round by a pretty ordinary Washington team. Uh, I, 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 so, I mean, if you had Wade and Bosch and Whiteside and Dragic and Bang and the kind of experience that, you know, at least three of those guys have the kind of talent that Whiteside and Dragic have uh, with McRoberts healthy if they can get Tyler Johnson back by the playoffs to add to the bench, I would take them in a series against Toronto, um, you know, even starting on the road. But uh, the question is, will the Heat be in that kind of position? That's the thing we just don't know. Yeah, I have a column coming out today on the uh, on the Toronto Raptors uh, and that exact question. So that's, uh, that's a good plug by you for me. Uh, one final question real quick. Who's going to win the white side Draymond Green battle today? <laughs> I'll say this: uh, Draymond wins all battles this season. So until <laughs> until until I see him lose one, uh, and I, and the thing about Draymond that's got to be frustrating for a Heat fan is that in that particular case, Ethan Skolnick was right because on draft night, on draft night three years ago, whatever it was, three four years ago, uh, when the Heat basically dumped their draft pick as they tend to do and ended up to pick up a future first that they ended up using to dump Joel Anthony's salary on Boston. I wrote that night they should have taken Draymond Green. He was right there for them and a whole lot of bunch of other teams. But he would have been the perfect, the perfect replacement for Battier. He would have been. Uh, more, 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 yeah, more, more athletic, but, but as far as being the glue guy that that team needed to move to the next sort of era. Uh, and, you know, who knows? There's a lot of things we can look back at, Tim, but. Maybe if they had a player of that potential, maybe LeBron thinks twice. Uh, who knows? Maybe but they, they, they just never replaced the older guys with younger guys. No, they didn't. And now, and I will, I will be, I will give you total credit because you did say that exact thing that day. I was, I remember. So, um, so Ethan, uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy the fun tonight, and thanks for stopping by, man. I appreciate it. All right, Tim. Next time, uh, I guess uh, dinner in New York. Next time, <laughs> I'll see you up there. Sounds like a plan. Thank you. All right, so normally I would have Ethan plug his own stuff, but we were on a bit of a time crunch given he was trying to get into um, heat shoot-around today, so I didn't want to keep him and figure I'd just have the, the actual podcast part be you know, focused on what was happening um, 
what was happening with the Heat. So with that being said, uh, Ethan is the the guy in charge of, well, not in charge of, but he he's he's the the number one Heat guy really in South Florida. He's done a great job covering that team for a long time. Uh, you know, was briefly you know covering the Cavs last year, uh, following LeBron, but um, is back in South Florida. Uh, you can find his work at the Miami Herald um, on their website. You can follow Ethan on Twitter at Ethan J Skolnick, um, S K O L N I C K, Ethan J Skolnick. Uh, and like I said at the beginning, he also um is the afternoon drive time host at 790 The Ticket in in Miami, and he also I actually forgot is doing some video stuff for CBS. Uh, for CBS Sports, so check him out there. Uh, he's a multimedia superstar, um, in addition to being a good friend of mine. Um, so check him out all those places. Uh, you can you can find my work at the Washington Post. Um, the, you can you can also follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. Um, I'm gonna be doing some more stuff on my Facebook page going forward, so you can check out stuff there at Tim Bontemps NBA. Um, I guess I should say Facebook.com slash Tim Bontemps NBA. Um, gonna do, uh, gonna try to do some, like when I'm watching games, try to put some analysis on there and do some different things. So, so give that a look. Um, otherwise please give the posting up podcast, a five-star review on iTunes, uh, and a five-star rating. Um, if you don't feel like writing anything, just the five-star rating would be great. Um, thank you to Glenn Yoder and the Western States for the theme music to the podcast. I got a chance to, uh, to see Glenn the other day, uh, and the, the band is great. Um, so thank you to those guys as always for that. Um, otherwise, uh, sorry for the delay in the podcast. Didn't have one last week and early part of this week because of some technical issues. Um, but we've got those resolved, which is great. And hopefully we're going to have, you know, we have one today and hopefully we'll have one more each on Thursday and Friday this week and start to, to get rolling again as we get, you know, past the trade deadline and and start to kind of, hit the downhill slope towards the playoffs. So um, thank you to everybody, as always, for listening, and hopefully we'll be back again soon.